when uh, I met uh, Mr. Gadatta, I already had spent many years in practice in the meditation, mainly Vipassana and Zen. When I was there, Mr. Gadatta was standing in front of me, said, what uh, do you do? What practice will you do? What kind of approach? And I tried to synthesize it, saying, I look at things and let them go, let them pass. And he asked, when all things have been let go, what remains? Welcome to the Sounds of Sand podcast. This is Michael Riley. Today I'm in conversation with religious scholar and teacher Mauro Bergonzi. And Mauro has presented at several science and non-duality conferences over the years about non-duality and his time studying with Nisaragata Maharaj. And apologies for the sound quality of this recording. We had some technical limitations in our recording, so hopefully you can listen past the audio glitches to the content of what we speak about. And we go deep touching into some of the core concepts of non-duality in Advaita Vedanta and subjects like awareness and being, consciousness, and the non-dual nature of the absolute. All today on the Sounds of Sand podcast presented by Science and Non-Duality. Welcome to Science and Non-Duality. What is non-duality? The universal forces. It's the collective consciousness. Being aware. Trauma is not the external event that happens. Trauma is the impact of that event, which is the disconnection from ourselves. That matter is energy. Energy is matter. That's what EMC squared is about. There's a language without nouns. There is a language without subjugation. There's a language without objectifying. But if it's recorded, then we there is a collapse. But if it's not, then it's the infinite potentiality. All right, I'm here with with Maro Bergonzi on the Sounds of Sand podcast. Maro, thank you for being with us and reconnecting with the sand community once again. It's a pleasure for me. I enjoy it. Yeah. So if members of the sand community will remember you from um, appearances at Sand Italy, and we have some videos and articles on our website, which we'll link in the podcast. But perhaps for those that aren't familiar with your work and your teachings. Would you mind giving us a bit of your background and how you came to non-dual teachings and your journey as a non-dual teacher over the years? First of all, I, I'd like to precise, to be precise, and uh, I don't feel that I am a teacher. I don't feel that I have a message or uh, a, a teaching uh, in order to convince people to become different from what they already are. And uh, I don't feel any any drive to save the world or, or people. Um, so my communication is just, uh, uh, just when you uh, make music or dance or uh, the, 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 the song of the birds, so something natural that uh, is done just for uh, the joy of it, really. Mm-hmm. is when you are singing under the shower. Why do you sing? There is no 
aim, no purpose, it's just an expression of it. And I am also aware that when uh, there is a communication about non-duality, it's just an expression of, uh, let's say, the absolute or the whole, mm -hmm. like any other expressions. So there is nothing special. It's just, uh, this is why I prefer to describe my meeting, the meetings uh, where I am invited because I don't organize anything. I have no society, no association. I don't like it, this. <laughs> so if someone uh, asks me to speak about uh, non-duality or to have a dialogue about that, uh, I enjoy it. So it's, uh, it's done out of uh, this, uh, this joy. Mm -hmm. uh, otherwise, I'm my, I stay in my house, in my house, and I feel well, <laughs> even if I don't communicate. Uh, so, um, so I, I call my uh, meetings um, that using the in a different way the Indian word. Satsang. Um, satsang usually is meant uh, uh, that there is a guru, a, a teacher, and then there are the disciples that uh, just uh, they have to open up to the truth that coming from this uh, uh, higher uh, person. Uh, I, uh, I, I don't use satsang in this, in this meaning. Um, sat in Sanskrit means uh, uh, being. Mm -hmm. And the sangha, sang means a community, community or uh, sharing. So in Italia, if I translate the Italian words I use, is a, a sharing of being. And, uh, what is that Italian phrase okay. for sharing of being? Just so we can hear it. Um, uh, condivisione dell'essere. Uh, okay. Uh, and, uh, and of course, uh, it's totally useless because we always share being. All, all of us are here. So all of us uh, uh, are um, share a being. So uh, it's not a, something new that can happen when there is a, a meeting about non-duality. Uh, what could happen in these meetings is just that this resonance of the sharing of being can become for someone and sometimes more uh, apparent. But uh, it's, it it can do it in any in any situation. It can be it can happen. This uh, resonance of being when you see the smile of a child, when you when uh, you uh, have a very nasty public official. I don't know the. The English, like a, or the, for example, the post office. Mm -hmm. 
uh, how uh, so maybe you meet a, a very nasty person right. very unpolite person and also that there all of a sudden it can happen uh, one don't one don't know doesn't know why or how this resonance of being mm. also if you have a, a, a tooth pain or or uh, if you uh, just uh, speak with your friends uh, and uh, drink a, a, a glass of wine you know so so there is nothing special uh, in uh, in uh, these meetings but it can happen mm -hmm. for someone and some only sometimes that this resonance becomes apparent and so presence shines by itself this is, so no i don't feel that people must change a little bit or more just in order to uh, to reach being because being is already here and every one of us with all our um, uh, handicaps um, physically or, 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 or of mind, just as we are, uh, we can uh, be um, sometimes even overwhelmed by this resonance of being. This doesn't mean that um, one uh, uh, doesn't have to to work uh, in order to improve oneself. If you have if you have many psychological conflicts, maybe if you undergo a psychotherapy, you will be better and you will solve your conflicts. Or if you want to uh, to learn playing piano, you must do a lot of exercise and you must ask a person which is more experienced than you in order uh, uh, that, that uh, who can teach you how to improve in playing the piano so uh, expertise is important in learning mm -hmm. process yeah. but in the case of the absolute uh, of the in, of the meaning of life uh, there is no expert. Mm -hmm. the ex there are no experts that can uh, teach you. I, I often say that uh, if you think that you have to reach being or uh, awakening or through a path, is like a wave that tries to reach the ocean. Ocean. Mm -hmm. uh, and if someone says that uh, I am I am awakened and you are not awakened, it's like a wave that says that uh, it is wetter than other other ways waves. Right. So this is just <laughs> yeah just to, to to say that I'm not a teacher. You know, it's an important I, or, it's an important point because it's something that's come up before on this podcast. Uh, you know, we have very basic titles for people you know we say author teacher speaker yeah. so it's it's almost like a shorthand but no there's a lot of important 
wisdom in what you were just saying. And I love, I love the framing of it as the resonance of being, because I think the role of a teacher or a facilitator or almost is like, um, you, you know, resonance, when we think about resonance, like sometimes you just have to point out to someone the details of a piece of music. Like it can be, it can be a piece of music that they really love. And I love these yeah. YouTube videos and podcasts where people dissect a song and they'll like take, you know, like a famous song and they'll, you know, point out this is the melody and this is the violin part and this is this part. And you start to hear all these strands that come together in, into what we love in music yeah. and this, you know, I guess we just don't really have a name for it for for what you do and what other teachers at Sand do. And I use that word again, teacher. But it's almost, um, yeah, I don't know what what to call it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and so, uh, uh, and if I uh, think of uh, the story of Mauro, <laughs> my story. Uh, for example, when I was a child, and uh, uh, and we used to go to the church on Sundays and all these things, religion uh, uh, didn't didn't uh, era didn't arise in me any sense of the sacredness. Mm. Uh, while uh, yeah. Uh, when I was uh, looking at the starry uh, sky, maybe in summer, the starry sky, the starry, um, starry um, sky. Uh, there, I felt a sense of mystery about the vastness of that, all of that. And uh, it was something very, very deep in me when I was a child. Or even when there were storms, strong storms with lightning and thunder, and uh, there was a, a power. And, the, and now, I have the word wor words to describe what I felt when I was a child. I couldn't, of course, but uh, now I, I I can say that when I was, for example, looking at the vastness of the starry um, sky, um, sometimes I felt uh, a vastness also I cannot say in myself I could say behind myself and sometimes the borderline between the two vastnesses <laughs> just disappeared and so uh, it, so that that is a that gives you not only a sense of beauty, also some something uh, maybe uh, um, a sense of falling in an, into a, a, a bottomless abyss. So also something similar to to fear, but not fear. It's just a sense of a 
vastness that is overwhelming about your small ego. So, uh, so the mystery of the of all all of it uh, was very um, present in, in me uh, when I was a child. I uh, I thought that uh, <coughs> I would uh, become uh, um, a, a scientist, maybe an astronomer that just is looking in the sky or a physicist that is uh, uh, inquiring into the infinity of, of, of the smallest things, you know. But, but behind this, there was uh, not a, a simple uh, scientific curiosity. There was uh, uh, the uh, being, being fascinated by the mystery of this vastness. So, and then uh, when I was a student, and then I I was interest, interested in uh, in Oriental philosophies, I taught um, in, at a university for thirty five years. Now I'm re retired, but I have been teaching for thirty five years um, Indian religions and philosophies. So. The, the, and I have practiced uh, uh, for for many many years different kind of, of meditation practices. The main one was vipassana, uh, but I also I had some practices in, in Soto Zen, in uh, in uh, Vedanta, and in uh, Taoism. So there were many different, but uh, always I, I always uh, uh, was uh, free from any dogmatic or uh, I didn't feel myself, for example, a Buddhist or a, a, I just uh, experienced all these uh, um, practices as uh, tools to explore myself what is reality and what i am and uh, the, all the rest uh, so without uh, um, <laughs> when you use a microscope you, you don't uh, need to be and uh, to belong to the to the fa factory that built it you know so <laughs> Uh, and so, uh, so I, I always felt free from from that. Um, but I always had a special feeling with uh, Krishnamurti's um, communication, and also Nisargadatta that I had the privilege to meet just for a few days. But they were very, very. <laughs> influential in, in all the system called Mauro <laughs> and, uh, and and also other authors that I later on uh, read and appreciated like uh, Tony Parsons or um, 
you know, and other uh, exponents of other people that speak about non-duality, Rupert Fire, uh, we know personally, and so. So, uh, but uh, but uh, what uh, happened before that? Uh, it was that uh, sometime in my life I could feel an ease, a happiness that uh, I was surprised about this because uh, it was already there. Uh, when I when I realized that it was there, <laughs> but I, I I was very surprised. I said, well, "Why am I so happy now?" You know, my life was like many other lives. I had a, a, it was very important. For example, the two years when I was close to my mother the, during her last uh, two years uh, because she was uh, had a cancer and uh, in that uh, in, in there I, I I something in me it it is not a will a, a, a matter of, will, of willing it just it happened that I something decided to stay close and, uh, to her and to to go with her through this process and so even if it was very painful of course uh, and uh, but uh, it was uh, also, there was also a uh, something very some beauty in all of that that was recognized both by me and by my mother, and so in that in that case, I could uh, I could realize that uh, I was really one with the situation, without uh, any remainder that still was outside it. Because when you when even when one is practicing meditation, for example. And, and you know that meditation is not uh, an escape from reality, because, of, for example, if you use awareness, a, a practice of attention to the everyday life, it gives you more more contact with reality. So, it's, it is not an, an escape from reality practicing meditation. But if a meditator is really sincere with himself. Maybe that he realizes that somewhere inside there is a voice that says, if I practice meditation, I can be safe from all the pains of, of life. So there is something that doesn't want to be one with the life because you want to be one only with the with the um, uh, beautiful side of, of life, the beautiful ha uh, half. But the other half 
you try to put outside of yourself in any way. And meditation also is, is this. Even if, if you really um, see what, uh, for example, Lao Tse or Buddha or Christ say, they never promised that if you follow their, their way, you will be totally free from, uh, from uh, uh, pain. Not even the Buddha who said yes, freedom of pain, but but if you read uh, uh, well, you are not safe from the ups and downs of life. Of course, yeah, it's the first the first yeah. noble truth. The first thing Buddha puts forth is that uh, there, the so life is suffering. To be know, one to with uh, a situation like, for example, in my case, the two years that I I spent with my mother. With my mother to be one it means that there is only life your ego has no no, impo no importance there that is because your ego is the one who says that i am here and life is in front of me how can you be outside life <laughs> of course it's, it's just a, a construction of mind but we mainly live thinking here I am, and there is life, and so I have to come to terms with life. Maybe I must fly off of it, or maybe I must uh, um, uh, make a, a conflict with it, or maybe I must uh, surrender to it, or maybe I must uh, accept it. But all these are strategies that uh, are rooted on the false idea that here am I and in front of me there is life while I am fully in life. And so to be one with the something that is, uh, for example, can be, it is painful, huh? I, I, to be one is uh, something that uh, <coughs> uh, shows you that there is a, a peace down there, a peace that is always there. And so uh, this was, uh, for example, a very important, mm, uh, 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 a very important event in my life that uh, maybe it was uh, opening up a, a window on uh, what is beyond ego, and like the conversations with the Nisargadatta, or like other moments in my life. So, and so, uh, so I realized that there was this happiness, and um, my mind, uh, of course, uh, was commenting, "Oh yes, uh, you are happy now because." Uh, your life is not so bad now. Economically, you can survive easily. Uh, you have not uh, a, a, some illness, uh, some uh, disease. Uh, but uh, if you wait sooner or later, this happiness will go because uh, some difficulties in life will come. And they, and uh, the answer of this was, oh yes, you are, you are right. But after sometimes. Again, the same uh, question, but why am I so happy now? 
Well, what, where does this happiness come from? And the mind, oh yes, because now all is smoothy, but wait, and, and I say, yes, you are right. And then I could realize that uh, it was not so, that it was just an idea of the mind, in the sense that what I call happiness is different from pleasure. Pleasure is uh, connected with uh, a cause, with uh, uh, some, uh, some input that, make you, that gives you pleasure, maybe a good music, maybe making love, maybe... And so, since there is a, 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 an input, specific input, play, you can have more or less pleasure, more or less pleasure. And, uh, and depending also on your uh, whole situation of body and mind, sometimes we can feel more pleasure because mind, body and mind are, are well or happiness. It's not like that, because uh, everyone can see that when in our life, sometimes we say, ah, now I am happy, the background, in the background, the thought is, now I need nothing else. Now it's all good as it is now. I don't want anything more. I don't need anything more. Just this is complete. So happiness for me is the, the fragra fragrance of uh, completeness, of feeling complete. And uh, uh, this completeness, uh, if we just see, and is, here we arrive to non-duality, if you just see that uh, uh, everything has no separation, there are no separations. Science tells us in every way that you can't separate anything from this uh, web of connections of the whole. Uh, so there are no indivi real individuals. There are no real... Because the body is the air, uh, is the water it drinks, is the food that that eats, and if it is the water, it is uh, uh, there is no separation from the cloud, there is no separation from the sea, from the sun, sun that evaporates the water, and so on. So everything is just. Uh, different names that we give to one process. There is uh, the sun, there is the water of the, 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 the water of the, of the sea that becomes a cloud. Then this process becomes water, becomes a rain, a we call rain. Then we drink the water and it becomes uh, us and so on. So, just physically, this is like that. And, uh, and also, mind and body are two faces of the same coin. So, so, if there is no separation at all, we are the whole. When we ask, uh, who am I? The only answer would be, I am 
the whole. So if we don't feel that, it is because we are convinced to be a separate ego, the one who is in front of life. And of course, if we think to be only this body-mind, this, uh, and if we think that uh, our awareness is uh, only inside body and mind, while it happens just the opposite, that the body thoughts and the physical sensations and also sounds all is appearing in awareness, of course. So, but we think that awareness is inside. And so we are limited to this body-mind. Of course, we feel incomplete, lacking of all, of everything. And so we are unhappy. But in life, from time to time, what happens is that uh, just we don't know why. We are we're not doing something special. We're just maybe we were sitting uh, on the shore of the sea or whatever, and we feel that nothing is uh, missing. And this completeness is happiness. And this is a, a, a ease that is not mine or yours or it, it is is what we are. Of course, during life there will be up and downs, ups and downs. There there will be pleasure and pain and so on. You do, are not free from that. But that happiness is different. It doesn't go when uh, your life becomes a little bit uh, more more problematic, full of problems. Uh, it's all beautiful. Thank you for sharing all of that 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 journey and and tying it into into happiness because I think this is a, a very important point in you know th this distinction between what you call pleasure and happiness. And I'm wondering if you know often we use the term unconditional happiness or contentment. And I think people, I know I was surprised in my own journey through meditation that. Once the mind became still, once the body became still, in some ways I was a little scared at what I would find. What, what would be there once my thoughts stopped? What would be there once the story and the ego settled down? You know, what, what would, I, what would it, I experience? And the fact that underneath of it all is this radiant, content joy that needs nothing is pretty remarkable, I think. And it's access, the fact that it's accessible from everyone, it's not... You know, some people do have that um, instant awakening experience where they, it's like a lightning bolt and they just get it right away. But for, I would say, most people, it's it, it's a process. You know, you have to slowly let go and you know, practice meditation. In your work uh, with with people in these satsangs that you conduct, how do you guide people into that space, into discovering that mm. that unconditional radiant happiness that's behind it? Um, 
just uh, first, before answering, just uh, a, a, a little uh, comment about what you were saying. Um, I realized the presence of the happiness, of this happiness, after a long time that it was there already, but mind was pretending that uh, there were where there wasn't any any happiness. Uh, so um, so something had already happened in my life also. I mean, the nature of this uh, background or reality can be described uh, in many ways. For example, in Vedanta, they say is uh, awareness and, uh, and uh, being, awareness and happiness. No? But uh, in my life, it was already there before my mind uh, be, be, became convinced that uh, <laughs> before that my mind uh, stopped to object something about it. So uh, I can't say when it happened. When, and uh, there was not a dramatic episode in my life that before there was, I, I didn't, uh, um, I didn't uh, experience it, and uh, after that, uh, that uh, fact, uh, I sometimes it happens like that. I remember that Suzuki Roshi, the then uh, the famous Zen teacher, uh, was saying sometimes it's like if someone throws a lot of water against you. The the, the 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 moment before you were totally dry, the moment after you are totally wet, and you know exactly when it happened. Uh, when people experience this, they call it awakening, and uh, maybe since it's a dramatic experience, uh, they can write a book about that. <laughs> Uh, but there is a, another way that I, I suppose that is more frequent. Is uh, the, the man, who the person who enters uh, in, in, into fo a fog, and after half an hour, he is totally wet like the other one, but he can't say exactly when happened. And in my case, it was like that because the mind didn't realize it for a long time. And uh, it was like, uh, I, I, so it was, you remember those Japanese soldiers that were still fighting the Second World War after many years that it uh, had finished. Uh, my mind was like that. <laughs> so, but, but uh, what, uh, appeared very clearly to me when I realized this. Uh, this is that happiness was uh, connect somehow connected with the end of seeking. I was I I I 
some 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 time I don't there was not a moment in my life something in the deep that was connected with the Mauro who was open up to the mystery of the vastness and so there was a seeking to reach it this seeking was not no more there had, had disappeared it, it was the same thing say that there was no seeking and that there was this kind of fullness of completeness that I called happiness so and what was clear was that I did the seeking didn't end because I have found something but just stopped and when it stopped, completeness became apparent. So, uh, so, uh, <laughs> so I could realize that uh, there were no causes about the, the, that happiness. Uh, you know, in in uh, for example, in Buddhism, uh, they often say that uh, liberation is called uh, the unconditioned asamskrta in in sense. Unconditioned, it means that it, it, it isn't dependent of any causes and conditions. So everything that one does in order to reach what is already here is a way to conceal, hidden, to, to hide the fact that it is already here. If I seek, that means that I lack something. But the problem is not that uh, I, lack, I lack something and that I have to reach in the future. The problem is that uh, this uh, uh, lacking, is, uh, this missing, this lacking is uh, just uh, built up by the mind because all is already complete. So there are no causes or conditions, no meditations, no moral uh, behaviors, nothing that can cause what is already here, what is our real nature. So it, it became apparent to me that uh, all what I have done before in my life, just it was uh, interesting, of course, but had no connection at all with the fact that completeness became apparent. So the, just uh, because sometimes we are too busy to find uh, happiness, uh, uh, to understand that, that that it's already here, to see that it is all, all, already here, is a, is a, so, so. Yeah, I think when, well, I think when you phrase it like that and you tell people, you know, the, the secret to finding yes. happiness is, is to stop looking for it. You know, that I think people can, but I think when people hear that, they can get a little frustrated because like, what do you mean? It's here already. I just, I still don't see it. Where is it? You know, you say it's, it's here. It's, it's the presence of this moment where, where, you know, 
we're so uh, I think habituated to think of uh, of solutions as external. You know, to say that I need to get the that problem is that here. Uh, it is the separate ego that we think that we are that wants to reach the this uh, infinity is define it. I, I, I we live ourselves as a, a finite ego that uh, feels an incomplete because it is finite, limited, and so in order to reach completeness, wants to reach the infinite. This is the situation, and so the, the always the question is how can how can I, what can I do in order to reach the infinite? But the, the, the question comes from an, an illusion that there can be a finite thing outside the infinite or the whole. But if the infinite is really infinite, the finite must be included already in it. It can be outside the infinity, you know. Otherwise, it would be the the nearly infinite because it, it, it's, it's not yet because it's lacking of the finite one. And the finite one is the one very unfortunate person, the only one who is excluded by, by the whole. You know, it's, it's very funny because we, we and so, when uh, the, the ego, the finite ego, or the separate ego, uh, hears that no action at all can uh, cause the unconditioned, becomes frustrated, either become frustrated, or says, okay, I will stop doing anything. But also that stopping comes from the idea that I am a finite entity that is able to choose what do what to do or what not to do, and that is able to uh, do actions in order to reach. And so is a, a double bind situation, as you uh, say. And uh, the only way to to go out of the double bind situation is the, to see the unreality of all the premises of that situation. I'd like to return to something you spoke about yeah. in the beginning, which is this idea of, of vastness. And you talked about the the vastness that you experienced looking out into the stars. And I think you said the vastness that you felt that was behind you, right? And as opposed to in, mm -hmm. inside of you. And 
also you were talking about the two years that you cared for your mother as she was dying or, or, or present with her, which is very resonant for me right now as I'm going through that with my own mother, as I was saying before we started recording. Um, so yeah, what is it in this, what is it that for, for you having gone, gone through this path that is it that we are witnessing when we're, when we're with people who are dying, for example, that we're somehow closer touching into that, to that vastness and the vastness is scary, right? The, for, for the egoic mind, like to, to be present, to, to stand and to see that how actually large the known universe is, is, is frightening, you know, to, to think yeah. we're floating through it's, that. It's really overwhelming. So, um, I can say something when, about my, my meeting with the Nisargadatta, I already spoke about that. So, but maybe here repeating this could be interesting. When uh, I met uh, Nisargadatta, I uh, already had spent many years in practicing meditation, mainly Vipassana and Zen. So, I had some uh, confidence with uh, awareness um, and uh, developing of uh, stillness and uh, observing things. When I was there, Nisar Gadatta uh, was standing in front of me and asked me, he, I was silent, he asked me, because I was a new one, a new Say, the, what uh, do you do? What practice do you do? What kind of approach? And I tried to synthesize it, saying, I look at things and let them go, let them pass. And he asked, when all things have been let go, what remains? And he was insisting in those days with all of, of, of the, the people there, uh, please speak about your experience, not, uh, not intellectually, not abstractly. So, so I had the, the answer to that question because I had to, I, I had been uh, practicing uh, meditation for many years. So I said, yes, when everything is let go, what remains is awareness. That uh, is the field of awareness, awareness that I already, I already had, for example, the experience that maybe you can have a, a physical pain to the knees, usually when you do <laughs> some retreats. And uh, that uh, awareness is, a, is a, a sensitive space that is not, is the pain inside this space. And so awareness has a, 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 a vastness in, in comparison with uh, all the, the experiences that are appearing and disappearing. So it, I, at, the ta at that time, I believed that that, that was uh, my true, my true identity, not thoughts, not the physical sensation, not the body mind, 
but awareness as a wider container. So I said, uh, when everything is let go, uh, what remains is awareness. And then he asked a question that I could never heard before in myself. So he asked, and when you let go even awareness, what remains? And in that moment, uh, since it was very, the situation, you know, the resonance uh, was there, uh, maybe in the eyes of, of Benicel Garata, they were full of fire, of passion for truth. So I felt thrown back and uh, falling in a bottomless abyss. And my, my ego, my, that I felt was my identity, was trying to to grasp the surface of this. And so uh, in the following two couple of days, uh, or even when I wasn't there, some, from time to time, I felt falling back into this uh, habit. Maybe having a tea, being in a taxi. All of a sudden, I felt this uh, uh, falling back in the abyss and immediately for fear of this vastness, bottomless vastness, that just the ego was uh, uh, rescuing the surface. And so uh, what, uh, what happened uh, then, uh, the, last, the last day I was there, Gisar uh, Gadata told me some very strong words that I understood only with my mind, but not with the, the body and the, and the heart. He said, don't lose yourself in the many branches of the many questions, but go straight to the root of the one question, of the one thing. And he says, go to the source. I, uh, I throw you there. And he uh, added, I bury you there and stay there in the source until the seeker disappears, then you will find beyond. The problem uh, that I experienced was that um, at that time, my mind had already interpreted all what had happened. And this interpretation was a barrier to understand the, the really direct truth of the words. What was this interpretation? My mind, uh, with the experience that I had of falling back in the abyss, uh, was saying more or less this. Uh, the liber liberation is uh, falling to the bottom of the abyss. That is really liberation. But since your ego is still stronger, it hinders this falling because it goes to the surface. 
And so you have to work more and more in order to 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 melt down this uh, this uh, strongness of your ego. And so for about 10 or 14, uh, or 15 years, I went on doing meditation. Uh, and it was uh, totally useless. Because uh, what uh, I forgot really of, what, uh, of uh, the communication of Anisargadatta was uh, until the seeker dies. So uh, the seeker survived <laughs> and for many years went on doing meditation. That is a, a wonderful tool to stay better in life, to open up the mind, to harmonize body and mind and relationships. I, of course, I, I don't, I'm not speaking against meditation, which is a, a precious uh, tool, but uh, I was doing it in order to reach the, the free fall into the abyss. And so I didn't realize the core of non-duality. That is, that for the absolute is totally, uh, it totally mm, irrelevant. Is there an English word to say? It's totally irrelevant whether there is a separate, the illusion of a separate ego of, or if there isn't. Because both are an expression of the absolute. So when there is the ego, is the ab absolute manifesting as ego. <laughs> when there is uh, no ego, is that the absolute manifesting as egolessness? That is always the absolute. If uh, this uh, is not only an idea, but becomes uh, an, uh, becomes uh, a, an evidence, it becomes an. Uh, uh, if there is the 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 illusion of a separate ego, it's okay. I mean. Um, if a mirage, you can see in a mirage water down there. So you can't say that the mirage doesn't exist, is uh, inexistent. The mirage, there is the mirage. Otherwise, nothing would appear. If something appears, it means that there is something. The, the only thing that there isn't is real water down there. So if a mirage appears and you know that there is no water, who minds about that? And so it happened uh, many years after that this became clear. And is that still accessible for you now? Like this, this feeling of the bottomless pit of what's behind awareness, this falling into emptiness? I think it's uh, unavoidable. <laughs> it's, it's impossible to go up. To go up. But I mean, the, the felt, and is the felt sense, the felt sense of it is present and is it, is it disorienting or does it feel familiar now to you? I don't know. Um, it's interesting, this uh, question, because uh, 
I could I could answer yes or I could answer no. So we must uh, uh, understand that the the fact that we were using words and words are not what they point to. Uh, maybe uh, in in uh, in uh, spiritual traditions and especially in non-dual traditions, it is often said that the, you can't know the Absolute. But the Absolute is always here. What does it mean? It means that knowing is a, a cognitive activity uh, that uh, passes through thought, and that means through words. And you cannot express what is uh, infinite with words, because every word is a, a, a definite thing. Definite, it means that every word is uh, like a, a frame, that uh, um, uh, is around something that is what is uh, I say apple an apple is a frame around the one something red with a taste I call that uh, apple and of course the use of uh, usefulness of words is that they can only point to one form that is different from any other so. Um, so forms are limited and can be thought, can be named by our knowledge tools, uh, tools of knowledge, uh, because they are limited. Absolute is, a, of course, is a name. Infini infinity is a name, but of course, uh, a absolute and infinity has no form because uh, uh, it appears as any form. Shankara, the famous Indian non-dualist philosopher, was saying that Brahman, that is uh, the term he uses for uh, the absolute, uh, is beyond any perception, any knowledge. Sometimes in uh, spiritual circles, you, uh, you often find that someone who says, but you speak about uh, the absolute, but this is only an intellectual um, uh, way of, uh, but if you don't have an experience of it, if you don't experience it, of course it's only intellectual stuff. I agree about the intellectual stuff. I disagree on the fact that you can have experience of the absolute. Because even experience that is based on perception is limited to a form. I can have experience of a sound, and if the sound is high, then it cannot be low. If uh, a color is red, it cannot be green. So every experience is limited to a form, defined form. So you can't, can't have experience of the absolute. So, if you can't know the absolute, 
with your thought. If you can't have an experience of the absolute, maybe this absolute isn't there. <laughs> this is the, the, the great doubt. No? But we know that the all is. There is something. This is a, you can't avoid that if the, the first fundamental question is, is there nothing at all or is there something? The answer is, there is something. Then we, can, we can't, we can't uh, um, know exactly what this something is, <laughs> but that, that there is something is sure. So, so when uh, uh, Shankara was saying that uh, you can't know, you can't uh, uh, perceive the Brahman, the Absolute, and nevertheless, every single experience, uh, limited experience uh, in your life uh, is nothing other than an expression of, of Brahman. So you can't help uh, perceiving Brahman in everything. So this uh, is a premise that I did about your question. Because, of course, that from the point of view of perceiving uh, the absence of, the, of a separate, separatedness uh, or uh, feeling the silence that uh, encompass everything, this in some moments is present as an experience. But if I busy with uh, discussing uh, about paying my taxes uh, with uh, with someone, of course, uh, all my thought and all my is uh, involved in that in that uh, speaking, and so there is not uh, the experience of the silence. And this is uh, um, this is another thing that is must be quite clear. There is, this is why I am very, not critical, but very no, <laughs> perplexed about people speaking about awakening, their, their awakening. Because many of them misunderstand an experience for the absolute. You can have, a, have an experience and you can call it awakening. But Ramana Maharshi often says, well, said that every new experience, any new experience, new meaning that an experience that you before had never had before, and then you have this new experience. So any new experience that comes since it came, sooner or later will end, will go away. All, everything that you, every experience, the peacefulness, the, 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 the openness, the infinity, etc. If it is an experience, it will go away. You will lose. Because all new things that come, we go. So, 
so uh, experience can and go. But there is a something in experiences that is always the same. Is it is not uh, um, any any experience um, has two two sides of the coin. They can't be can't be divided, can't be separate, but uh, are different. One side is uh, the fact that it's it happens, the fact that it is. I see an, an, an apple. Huh? There is the being of the apple, the fact, the event that an apple is exists being. That is is decide. What is what it is, how it is, is uh, the, uh, the 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 science uh, the the that uh, makes uh, that experience unique as a, an apple and not as a, an umbrella. So the what is the how is. Uh, is the meaning of experience and it changes continuously. Is uh, in time it uh, the, the the apple transforms and then passes away. The fact that it is when uh, that experience of the apple fades away and you have an experience uh, of uh, a flying uh, butterfly instead of the that is the being of it is just the same as the apple it doesn't change it doesn't uh, it has but it has no qualities because the qualities are in what the, the what is or uh, how it is and that is changing continuously but the being the event is unchanging it is unknowable because all our uh, knowledge uh, is about what is something. So this, uh, I sometimes call it presence, as uh, just uh, the share, shared being of everything, is a, is a taste that uh, is an unavoidable for everyone. Everyone is feeling it. Every, every, it's not an experience, as I say, but it's unavoidable for everyone. Sometimes we notice it, sometimes we don't, but we can't <coughs> go out of it's, it. It's the one thing that's undeniable is this presence or existence. It's the yes. only thing that we, we can yes. certainly say is happening, is that there is... Yeah. And something similar is uh, what we call awareness is for con or consciousness. Mm -hmm. uh, if we mean by this word, uh, not the content, right. the consciousness of an apple, right. but the pure awakeness right. that allows something to, to appear. Yeah. Because outside the awareness, nothing can appear. So... Uh, awareness is uh, the same thing because is uh, 
it, it can be aware of objects that appear inside it, but it cannot aware of itself in the objective sense. It, it would be like a turning uh, rapidly around oneself in order to see your, your shoulders. Is it possible, you know? Yeah. But but it's still a practice people so, do is is the awareness of awareness itself, and you start to investigate the qualities of what does awareness feel like as a way to kind of get back behind you know the, the, what you were talking about earlier, the answer you gave to Nisargadatta. And this is a very yes, but this is a very tricky thing for words and mind because. Uh, I, uh, my, I suspect that uh, uh, some the awareness of awareness uh, uh, could, could be a misunderstanding uh, of a, an analytical work of thought. If I try to investigate the qualities of awareness, like in, now we are speaking about awareness, we are using uh, thought. Words. The word is, is never what it means. So, it, but in the actual actual uh, um, presence of awareness, uh, awareness can experience only forms. Of course, not. But awareness itself is a formless. So can't be perceived, can't be experienced, because it is the source of everything. It, it is the experiencing itself, you know. Mm -hmm. It's like the eye. The eye can see everything just because it, it, it is invisible to, it, to itself. Mm -hmm. So everything you see is uh, the certain gives you the absolute certainty that there must be an eye if you see an apple of course there must be an eye right and so this is the evidence but you can't see your eye but awareness also i could say just in a different way is a self uh, shining so uh, light doesn't need to be seen because another light illuminates it. You know, it's self-shining. Mm. Yeah, it's well. It's interesting you because I was going to mention a metaphor when you were talking about our inability to directly know the absolute, uh, and that metaphor would be the sun. So right now the sun's shining through your window, it's shining through my window. So we know the sun in a, in a certain way. We can see it illuminating our, our spaces, even though we're on different sides of the planet. And there's amazing things that one can do when, when you know the sun. So you can grow tomato plants with the sun. You can uh, create electricity from the sun. But there's still this quality of the sun that we could never know because we can't travel to the sun. If we were to actually know the sun, we would die. Our bodies would burn up. You know, A spaceship would burn up if it got close enough. And yet 
the essence of the sun is still these photons that, you know, that's basically what we're experiencing are these photons that were transmitted and came through space to our planet. And we're seeing them now come, come illuminate the space and make plants grow. And we turn it into energy biologically and electronically. Um, so this metaphor of, of never being to uh, the inability to know at its root, what this, you know, whatever the word we use, the source, what the absolute, the, the void that we were talking mm. about earlier, but to know um, rays of it. And actually, that's funny because that's the, the title of the film that Maurizio uh, made, Rays of the Absolute. Ah. You know, this film, that was, the, that was the beginning of science and non-duality was Maurizio and Zaya working mm. on this film about uh, Nisangarta Maharaj. So, um, ah. yeah. Nisargadatta used to say that you can't see daylight. You, you can see a flower, a red flower, a green leaf, but uh, not the, the, the daylight. And in fact, light, when it, it travels space, is uh, totally invisible. We can see life, uh, sorry, we can see light only when it meets a reflective uh, surface. But when it meets it, we see light only with the shape, the size, and the form, and the color obtained with the encounter with the object. And so we can see only so to speak, we can have experience only of the contents of awareness, but not experience awareness itself, because awareness is the experiencing itself, or the source of right. experiencing. Yeah, but I get well. My question earlier, so the, but there there are qualities of awareness, though, and and don't you think becoming more familiar and you know in meditation mm -hmm. or in daily life, we were talking about happiness in the beginning of mm -hmm. our conversation. So there's a quality of awareness that's content, you know, that's, that's curious and content mm -hmm. and joyful. And don't you think, uh, you know, it, it's a tricky domain because I guess we're still talking about the contents of mm -hmm. awareness when we talk about it's, it's, it's qualities, but d d don't you think, um, Becoming more intimate with these qualities of awareness is how we yeah. learn to let go and get closer to the absolute. Yes, uh, <clears throat> for example, when we feel that we exist, the feeling that uh, I am uh, that's connected also with awareness, of course. Um, being in awareness together, if we ask, do I, I, am I sure that now I exist or am I sure that now I am aware? The answer is yes. But uh, the question and the answer are thoughts. But before the yes come, in that pause, this Rupert Spira often speaks about that. In that pose, uh, when we maybe 
try to verify if we are, if we really exist, eh? some evidence of being comes up, which is, doesn't need to be, uh, to be looked for because uh, it is before any thought. We shall, uh, should we uh, uh, ponder about it or j it just comes up as an evidence, of course. So this is uh, something connected with being with awareness. Uh, it is what uh, what what uh, Nisargadatta uh, calls the I am. And is, it is the precondition for any ex other experience to happen. Because if, first of all, I am not here and aware, nothing appears. But even this is not pure awareness. Even this comes and goes. Because every night when we go and sleep, after the dreaming period, we fall in the sleepless, uh, sorry, in the um, uh, dreamless sleep. And there, everything disappears. Uh, so, even uh, the sense of being and, and being aware, even the I am, comes and goes. So the, the, the question is, uh, mm -hmm. what acknowledges that this uh, being and uh, being aware had disappeared and then has come again? There must be something more basic, more that real, uh, that, that, uh, right perceives this go coming and going of the I am. And uh, this is uh, what is uh, behind the ground of all. Um, I remember a wonderful metaphor by Nisargadatta. He says, uh, at the raising of the sun in the morning, the early morning, uh, every single drop of, um, how do you call the, 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 the drops of water on the, on the flowers? Uh, dew, like D-E-W. Dew, dew, yeah. dew, dew, yeah. dew. Is yes. a, uh, so he says, when, when uh, uh, in the early morning, uh, uh, the, uh, the sun rises, uh, every single dew drop, drop uh, becomes, uh, begins to shine, and you could see a, a, a drop, a, a spot of life inside each of them. So the light of the sun is just one, indivisible, but uh, in contact with the drops, it seems that in each drop there is light. That spot of light is what we experience in our life as the I am, the, the undeniable certainty that I exist. But even that is just 
an expression of one light that is invisible. So that uh, drop uh, allows us to experience all the main experiences in our life. Uh, because before experiencing, there must be me, <laughs> I must be here and awake and existing. But uh, even that sense of being and being aware comes and goes. Because it's just an expression of the unknowable vastness uh, that is that invisible light. So, the, in this sense, awareness is not, is, uh, has no, is so non dual that it has no need to, to split into a, a subject, subject perceiving an object. You know, we, we don't need to know. What, uh, uh, ourselves because we are ourselves. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's such a it's such a subtle place to try to inhabit. You know that that space of like you were talking about this awareness that occurs in dreamless sleep. You know this this dreamless sleep state because as soon as we say what is this, we've come out of the dreamless sleep state. <laughs> we've we've awoken to a, like a higher level of. You know, of want, wanting to identify what is this, what is this, what is this. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to be mindful of your time today. I could uh, probably spend hours and hours talking about this because I'm endlessly fascinated with. Uh, you know, it's it's such an honor to speak with with you today, um, with some with your vast life experience and and practice with it. Um, so I want to thank you for for this opportunity to speak today and to go deeper and to ask what is this, even though in in many ways the the answer is to let go of of, of even asking the question. No, it is. A, it was a, also. A, it has been a joy for me to sh to share the resonance of being in this uh, uh, in such a distance. <laughs> you know, I'm in Italy, you are yeah. in the States, but. Uh, but the resonance of being is limitless. So. And thank you for listening to The Sounds of Sand. We invite you to explore more of our talks, dialogues, videos, articles, events, and offerings through our website, scienceandnonduality.com. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please consider becoming a member to access our massive library of sand content, available exclusively to sand members. And we would love it if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify. And share this episode with your family, friends, and all sentient beings.